Welcome to the Tournament Poker Edge podcast, brought to you by TournamentPokerEdge.com, the only podcast dedicated exclusively to poker tournament strategy. Now here's your host, Clayton Fletcher. Hello once again, everybody, and welcome to the Tournament Poker Edge podcast. I'm Clayton Fletcher, your host here in New York City. 50% of the way to fully vaccinated at this point. I'm happy to say that today, on the day that I'm recording this, I am a recipient of the federal microchip. I mean, the vaccine from Pfizer. And we are joined this week. It's not just me and you it's me you and the founder and the main man at tournament poker edge your friend and mine mr killing bird himself Derek tenbush back in business how are you buddy i'm doing great clayton how are you man i'm great i'm great i'm so impressed with you i want to jump right in because you did something that i don't think too many people could do at least not people uh, in our age category. <laughs> <laughs> you did a 24-hour live stream. What was that like? Tell us about it. It was a lot of fun. You know, it was interesting because I actually attempted this once uh, back sometime during lockdown. I don't remember when, five, six months ago or something. It all runs together at this point. Um, and I, I think I just overthought it, you know? So I like I was like, all right, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to wake up and get some stuff done, and then I'll take like a three- or four-hour nap, and then I'll start the stream at like 7 p.m. And then I'll stream through until 7 p.m. the next day. And then I'll just go to bed at like my normal time. And it won't like throw everything off. <laughs> and by like 5 or 6 a.m., my body was just like, you know, you're supposed to have gone to bed a long time ago. This is kind of oh, ridiculous. Oh, no. <laughs> um, and and I, I, I could have gone for, you know, another five, six hours or whatever. But I knew I wasn't going to make it 24. So I literally just called it. I was just like, all right, guys, you know what? This was fun and all, but I'm not going to make it, so I'm just going to quit now. Um, so this time I, I, I kind of just went with a more normal strategy, which was I did go to bed early the night before, and then um, I just said, all right, I'm not even going to set my alarm. Just whenever I wake up, it'll be go time, and that way I'll hopefully be nice and rested, and uh, we'll just go through. And it was the day of my home game, so I knew I had to make it until at least like midnight, 1 o'clock, because uh, that's when that ends. So I'm like, that'll force me to kind of like stay focused on on making it. And um, but then I, I kind of it almost backfired because I went to bed at like nine or so, and I thought, you know, I'll sleep till like six or seven, and uh, and then I'll get started. But I I woke up at three a.m. and I was just laying there. And I couldn't get back to sleep. And and then all of a sudden it was four a.m. and I'm like shit, I could have streamed an hour already, and I'd be an hour into my 24 hours. <laughs> so then I started to get mad at myself, because I was like, oh, now I'm just wasting time laying here in bed, and I can't get back to sleep. So I just I just finally got up. So I started the stream at 4 in the morning, and uh, there were a lot of people who were still on from the night before who were like, why are you still streaming? And I'm like, I'm not, I just started. <laughs> right, right. Um, so it was really good, you know, like I, I felt, I felt really good the whole time. I kind of planned out like meals and and some energy drink influx, um, and just kind of rolled right through. And I had a really good time. I, I the only thing I was disappointed about is that I, it didn't end up being as good of a session from a poker standpoint as I had hoped. I I started off really hot. I'm in the middle of this challenge with a bunch of other streamers uh, about how many final tables we can make. 
And uh, I started off really good, and I had three final tables and I think eight caches in like the first six or seven hours. And I was like, oh man, I'm going to rack up, you know, a bunch of final tables before this is over. And then I literally didn't make another one the entire stream. (laughs) (laughs) For the next 23 hours. Yeah. So I was pretty disappointed about that. But it was super cool. Like a lot of the other streamers stopped in to like, you know, root me on and and people came through and subscribed and followed and did all that stuff. And uh, I really enjoyed it. It was like... um, I don't know. I kind of, kind of like the old days of like marathon poker sessions, which I don't, I don't really do a ton of anymore. So, uh, it, it was really enjoyable to do. Yeah, that's super, super awesome. Very cool. Uh, yeah, it reminds me, especially the part about you wanting to get sleep and and change your schedule. Like a lot of us tournament players, when we take a poker trip, you know, to play live, you really can't pick when you go to bed because if you really want to do well in a tournament you got to make sure you get your 8 to 10 hours of sleep or whatever your body needs, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but what I've done in the past is uh, I'll go down to Florida and visit some of my friends like in the Fort Lauderdale, Miami area, and I'll just play cash games at the Hard Rock whenever I feel like it. So if I'm you know staying at my friend's house and I... I take some kind of weird nap at five o'clock in the afternoon and wake wake up at eleven p.m. and then play all night. Because obviously, one thing that's been true since the beginning of time in poker is that cash games are always better late at night. There's a lot of reasons for that, but mm-hmm. sleep deprivation is one of them. So, <laughs> yeah, I, I remember one night many years ago I was playing live at the Palms back when they had a poker room at the Palms. It was such a great great spot to play, and I was just playing a little. Two five or whatever, and I'd been playing a long session. It was like three o'clock in the morning, and then who walks in, freshly showered, looking as clean as can be, smelling good, walking in, just perfect, ready for his close-up. Macaulay Culkin. <laughs> he joins our cash game at three o'clock in the morning, and like all of us are tired, and we've been playing. Half of us are are stuck, and we're on tilt. And then this guy walks in like it's, you know, oh, what a beautiful morning. <laughs> He's, like, ready to rock. And, uh, yeah, he, he, did, he did quite well that night. <laughs> that's great. I love But, yeah, I mean, I think that's, uh, you know, there is something to be said for, like, kind of seeing the other side of midnight um, as a poker player. But, of course, you know, you're playing tournaments, and you're also trying to be entertaining on the stream. So who all stopped by are those people that we would know? Um, just a lot of the sort of, like, especially like the ACR streamers and stuff, um, you know, people like Quick Question Now and Poker in Pajamas, not huge names or anything in the poker world, but just, you know, really good friends and supportive people, and, uh, we ended up, you know, of course, playing 24 hours straight of tournaments, I ended up at tables with a lot of friends and stuff like that, so that was, that was really cool. Yeah, Um, yeah, I mean, the player pull on ACR, you do run into a lot of familiar names on there uh yeah you know especially if you play the same tournaments a lot it seems like a lot of the the regs are very reg in their uh you know scheduling like this is the tournament i play every single week or whatever yeah it's interesting because i don't um i like i i don't really have like tournaments that i always play like you know some people are like oh yeah i gotta play that 16 50 20k every time it's such a good value or whatever I'm like so like nonchalant about it. I just I basically turn on my stream and then I open the lobby and go, well, what's regging? And whatever it is, I just join it, you know. And then there's people like, oh, you missed this tournament. I'm like, oh, I didn't even know that tournament was happening today. Yeah. <laughs> You'd think I'd have a better read after you know five years of playing on ACR. Like, oh yeah, that Tuesdays is that really good tournament? But I I don't. I couldn't tell you when anything runs. 
Um, I just kind of reg whatever's whatever's going. But I will say that whenever I play bigger, it is amazing the difference. Um, like I'll see a lot of the same people in like the six dollars, the eleven dollars, the sixteen fifties. But you get up to the fifty fives and one oh nines, and it's just a whole different group of people. Like there is such a gap between those two buy-in levels. It's kind of it's actually kind of shocking. Oh, definitely. Yeah, I mean, if you play like the $100 PKO or something, mm-hmm. uh, you're not going to encounter a lot of the same players that will be in the uh, the $4 <laughs> 1000 guarantee or whatever. Right. Um, although for me, I, I was trying to uh, avoid having to make a deposit on there. So I had done a big cash out, and then I hit my uh, – losing streak that i've been talking about for weeks now here on the podcast so that the you know the account was getting a little low and then i was getting emails or uh you know twitter messages from tpe members like is this really you playing in this three dollar tournament (laughs) i'm like yeah dude i'm trying not to deposit i'm trying to run it up that's right and uh i actually did uh my bankroll was all the way down you know my bankroll on that site was down below like a hundred bucks and uh, now it's up over a thousand without a deposit. So nice. I, I went back to the grind. You know, when you're running out of money, you got to go down in stakes, man. That's, that's right. That's just how it is. That's how I used to do it when I first started. It would be like, what was in my account was all I had. You know, not, not, not all the money. money I had, but that was the money I had to gamble with because I didn't want to ask my wife. You know, can I put two hundred dollars on with a credit uh, card? <laughs> it's a little easier now when you got your Bitcoin stash. You know, you can just reload yeah. when you need to. But. <laughs> Uh, but back yeah. then, but back then it was all trackable, you know, and, and they'd be like, "What is this uh, furniture store purchase in Costa Rica?" Uh. <laughs> I'm like, "Oh yeah, that's poker." <laughs> yeah, I buy a lot of furniture from Costa Rica. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So now this is the second attempt at a 24-hour stream, and the first successful attempt. Um, you know, wh- why did you want to do it the first time and this time? Like, what what made you want to? Why would you set a goal like that for yourself? Yeah, so I think this one was. Um, I think one of the reasons this one was more of a success was kind of the motivation behind it. So the first time I did it, which, again, I think it was five or six months ago, it was really just a whim. It was just kind of like I think I I decided to do it and then did it like the next day or something. And it was just kind of like, I don't know, I just got a a hair and I was just like, ah, you know, 24-hour stream, that sounds fun. Which is probably part of the reason I didn't succeed because I didn't plan for it and I didn't really strategize. Um, so the reasoning behind this one was that I it, it kind of dawned on me that we were coming up on um, March 16th, which March 16th of last year was the day that here in North Carolina we went into lockdown. Um, and I was like, oh, wow, we're coming up on the one-year anniversary of going into lockdown. And I said, I should, you know, I should really do something to mark that occasion because in a lot of ways the Twitch community for me has kind of become my social circle now, you know, because I yeah. don't, you know, it's not going out to bars and going to see bands and doing all the stuff that I used to do. Um, so I, I've probably spent as much time with a lot of these people in my Twitch community as I've spent with my best friends in the world. In fact, way more time, like infinitely more time <laughs> when I think about it. Um, and, you know, it's kind of like you've almost, in a lot of ways, they kind of helped me get through COVID and, and or at least not, I mean, I didn't have COVID, but, you know, through the, the COVID period and, um, and I like to think that maybe I, you know, provided them some fun and some entertainment while they were locked down as well. Um, so I was like, you know, we, we should mark this occasion and I should do something that's like a reward to the community, you know, like something that'll be fun that everybody can get behind. And kind of the reason I thought about doing the 24 hour thing was because, you know, I have people who, who live in all different time zones, right? You know, I have, I have people who visit the stream from 
Germany and from Australia and all these different places. And I thought, you know, I'll do I'll do an event where everybody can participate, no matter where you live. If you have a day job, if you have a night job, if you you know what, anything you got to do, you can find some time in this 24-hour period to like swing by and hang out. So, yeah, so I, I called it 24 for 365, you know, 24 hours for 365 days in lockdown. And um, and yeah, it was really cool. And we we spent you know throughout that stream, we spent a lot of time kind of talking about you know what it was like you know going through this and oh i can't believe it's been a year now that we've done this and um i suspect that as things kind of start to open up a little bit like i'll probably stream less than i have been because it's all i've had to do um so yeah so i just thought it was kind of a cool way to you know i i, I kept trying to stop myself from saying celebrate because i wasn't i certainly wasn't celebrating 365 days because i mean it's obviously been a terrible terrible time in our country's history in the world's history um, but it was more of just marking the occasion and kind of like showing some gratitude for people, you know, supporting the stream throughout this crazy, crazy time. So, um, yeah, so I think, you know, I think that was a big motivator, too. It was just like, well, if I'm doing it for like, like this reason, I kind of have to finish. <laughs> I can't just be like, I appreciate you guys getting me through COVID, but I'm out. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that is a motivator. Yeah. It's uh, just a shame you didn't make more final tables because just the amount of volume you could put in in 24 hours to try to win your challenge. I like how you always have some kind of challenge going. It seems like you've always got some sort of make it interesting as far as uh, your poker uh, goals or whatever. Yeah, I think it's fun. I think it's the same reason why I don't like I don't do a lot of prop bets and stuff during like the World Series, for example. But I think it's the same reason that a lot of the more seasoned pros than me do those. Because it's just like a way to keep yourself motivated, you know? Like, I mean, poker is a lot of fun. I, you know, we obviously all love the game, but you play enough of it, especially in a short window of time, it can get pretty monotonous and pretty tiring. So adding little things. And the great thing about this challenge that I'm in the middle of right now, it's not even for money or anything. We, we actually have no money on the line. It's literally just bragging rights. Wow. Um, and it's five streamers from the United States against five streamers from the rest of the world. So we've just been kind of you know calling it the, the the battle of the battle of the world you know team usa versus team world and um so at the end all we get to do is talk crap to each other if we won so um but it's enough to keep you going you know because you see a guy at a couple of final tables one day and you're like shit i gotta get back on the grind they're ahead of us again <laughs> yeah you know it, it... It's nice to have a little national, uh, you know, patriotic spirit or whatever with it. It just reminds me of whenever I've done uh, commentary for any final table at the World Series of Poker. If there's one Brazilian at that table, <laughs> man, they just take it so seriously. They treat poker like it's the World Cup of soccer, which obviously oh, yeah. is the sport they care about the most. But, yeah, just the the, the pride that all the Brazilians seem to take in one Brazilian winning a bracelet is just oh it's through the charts it's off the charts it's just uh yeah we don't really have that in this country americans are more like poker's an individual sport it's not a team sport it's not a country yeah it's uh you know the the guy who wins gets the money you <laughs> know that's kind of the way we look at it but it's nice <laughs> to say you know the americans against the world i like that that's yeah. cool yeah it's been it's been a lot of fun and like i said it just kind of pushes you cuz you'll see your teammates grinding and if if you take a couple of days off you're like oh, i can't I can't be the one not playing, you know. I got to, I got to get in some tournaments here. Although I'm taking sure. the next three days off, and I'm really looking forward to it. Well, I don't blame <laughs> you. I don't blame you at all for that. Yeah. Now, you know, of course, I agree with you, Derek, that we shouldn't be celebrating the fact that the pandemic happened. 
but I don't I don't see any problem with celebrating the fact that it's ending. It, it appears to be ending. I mean, people are getting vaccinated uh, at a, an alarming rate. I mean, I can't believe how many people are, are getting vaccinated. They're actually a little bit ahead of schedule from what they projected uh, the number of people that would that would get the vaccine. Like I got my first shot earlier today uh are you vaccinated or what's what's the status there yeah actually uh i got my first one god i'm gonna forget the date now um about two weeks ago i guess okay uh, and i get my second so i have the pfizer so it's two shots uh, and i get my second one april 1st so uh, i guess i'm clear april 15th i guess i guess it's still two weeks before you're fully vaccinated i guess all right um, cool so but, follow-up question mm-hmm. once that happens if they announce that there will be uh, a Vegas summer of poker, are you going to do it? That's a really good question. There's been a lot of talk of, uh, with some of my friends about, you know, are we going to get a house again if this happens? Like, you know, what are we, what, what are we doing? And I, I keep just kind of saying, I'm just going to wait and see. Not so much because, you know, obviously, uh, you know, if, if I'm vaccinated, I'm pretty safe. I mean, it's you know not 100%, but it's pretty close to it. Um but I want to see what the uh, what the setup is. You know, I want to see like, are we playing eight-handed? Are we playing with plexiglass? Are we playing with masks? Uh, do people coming in have to show a vaccine card? Do you, you know, are they checking temperatures? I just kind of want to see how much of a hassle it's going to be. Um, so what I've kind of told a lot of my friends is, look, if the World Series happens this summer, I'll almost certainly go. How much I play will be the question. Uh, right, you know, because uh, much like you, I think, like I really enjoy the social aspect of the game, and I've heard nightmares from. I haven't played a single hand of live poker since this happened, so I, I haven't done the whole, you know, sit in between plexiglass with a mask and all that stuff. <laughs> but, um, and and that's by the way, I want to be very clear. That's not to say that poker rooms shouldn't be doing that, or that I think the World Series shouldn't do it. Right. The question is just, do I want to play in that circumstance, or I just want to wait until that's not a thing. Yeah, um, but you know, like I, my buddy, uh, I think it was Jay Smith. Or no, it was Bet Andrew was talking about it. And he was kind of saying like, you can barely talk to the person next to you, and you really can't talk to the person like two seats over, um, and you have to like talk really loud for the dealer to hear you. And there's like kind of reflections on the glass, so you can't totally see the flop as well as you'd like, and all this oh, different boy. stuff. Oh boy, yeah, yeah, that sounds like a lot. I like you. I have not been inside a casino uh, in over a year. Uh, I, I just made it back to my first comedy club recently, oh, which was yeah, fun because it had been uh, quite a while since I uh, <laughs> since it was just uh, I had to kind of remind myself how to how to do stand up. I mean, I've been doing it for a long time, but I actually didn't do it for a year. Wow. I mean, the Zoom shows I did don't really count. You know, it's it's not the same. It's right, not the same. Right. You know, there, anything you can imagine not being the same online. You know, I would say like, well, do you think it's the same if you have sex with somebody on the internet as <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> as if you were live with that person? Like, that's how different it is. It's not even close. Yeah, I've watched. Um, I mean, I've probably watched 15 concerts during COVID online, and it's it's been nice. Like, it's been fun and cool to to see bands playing, but it's not like being at a live concert. <laughs> by yeah, any means. there's nothing like being there. Yeah, and so if we get back to poker and it's all plexiglass and masks and you can't see or hear anybody uh that's maybe a little better than playing online uh for me socially but i'm like you i'm not sure that i would want to participate that aggressively in the the wsop if that's what it is 
Like, I'll, I'll totally do the house thing, and I'll chill at the pool with my buddies, and, you know, I'll go maybe even put the mask on long enough to play some craps or something. And, yeah, and you never and, you play know. poker anyway. You you do, like, you'll do, like, That's... the monster stack and, like, two other events, and other than that, you're just, like, partying with your boys. <laughs> that is sadly true. <laughs> it's interesting, though, because you mentioned comedy. I actually, so I have a decision to make in about, I guess, two weeks. I actually have tickets to a comedy show that I bought a year and a half ago or something. Um, and in there in the, the comedy club here, it's called the Raleigh Improv. They've announced that this is going to be their first show back, the one that I happen to have tickets to. Um, so I'm trying to decide, like, do I go? I think it's, uh, it's about five days before I reach my, you know, optimum vaccination point or whatever. Right. Right. Um, so I'm trying to determine like, okay, you know, do I, do I gamble? Do I, uh, and, and they're saying that, you know, they're going to have temperature checks and they're going to have, you know, I think, um, one empty table between every table and all this kind of stuff. But, um, but I've wanted to see this guy forever. So I'm very, I'm hoping that I convince myself to go, but I haven't quite decided yet. <laughs> I mean, I would hate to encourage you to go and then you catch a disease, but <laughs> you know, it just feels like the uh, odds of that are pretty slim. If you've been, you know, if you've already received two shots, yeah, you're not at the optimum yet, but yeah, I would say, yeah. uh, you're probably about as safe as you can be. And you know, the infection rate isn't that high to begin with. So right, and part know. of it too is I I just want to support, you know, these kind of people. Like I want to support bands and I want to support comedians. Yeah, and, you know, yeah, well, like bars com- and restaurants and yeah, for sure. Comedy clubs in New York City open again next week, and uh, I have some, you know, I have some uh, appearances scheduled here in my hometown, and I'm just I'm hoping that the audience is ready to come back. You know. Mm-hmm. I think a lot of us here, the epicenter of the pandemic, as New York was called for months, um, maybe have gotten a little too used to walking around with masks and only watching comedy on Netflix or whatever. So <laughs> right. all of us are kind of bracing ourselves, like, what is the reopening going to look like? And so I guess we'll we'll find out soon enough. But yeah. 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 I'm, I'm excited about it. I, I'm almost certain I'll end up going. So all right. It'll be good. Cool. Who's the comic? Do you want to tell us? Uh, sure. It's uh, Andrew Schultz. Oh, Andrew Schultz. He's a friend of mine. Oh, really? Yeah, definitely. If you if you uh, hang out and talk to him afterwards, tell him that you know me and that we're friends and you know poker friends and stuff. Nice. Yeah. Do. Yeah, yeah. He's a great I, guy. I've I done a hundred shows with Andrew. He's he's oh, a cool. really good comic. Yeah. Yeah. He. Uh, I. I kind of got turned on to him through his like his like audience riffing videos that he does on YouTube. Yeah. And, <laughs> He's uh, great at that. Yeah. yeah. And then I, I saw that he was coming and I was like, all right, this, like I said, this was a year ago when I was supposed to see him, but, um, but yeah, I'm, I'm, rescheduled, I'm, I'm excited yeah. about it. Oh, that's cool. Very yeah. cool. All right. Well, I think we've caught up a little bit and I know that a lot of our listeners are eager to hear a hand. I imagine a, a guy who played for 24 hours straight probably has a hand or two that he could talk about. <laughs> No shortage of uh, volume there, right? It was great, too, because I think I remember saying to myself, oh, I should mark a bunch of hands so that I just have, like, a stockpile <laughs> of them. But, of course, by, you know, once I started getting into it, I just didn't even think about it anymore. But I did yeah. have one that I saved, so. Okay, cool. Also, before I jump into this, I do want to really quickly just send out a congratulations uh, to Vanessa Cade, uh, who won the, yesterday's Sunday Million for $1.5 million on PokerStars. Um, she's a uh, member of Team ACR, and uh, it was just really cool to see her win. So I wanted to throw that out publicly while I had a chance. Yeah, for sure. It's uh, it's 
such poetic justice what happened to Vanessa and <laughs> everyone everyone seems to be celebrating <laughs> you couldn't have her written victory. yeah you couldn't have written that story any more perfectly <laughs> yeah yeah so i guess welcome to acr right yeah and she's a super nice person too I, I i love her to death so i thought that was cool yeah great um, all right, so this is actually a hand I played pretty recently, so I kind of remember some more of the details than I normally do. <laughs> right. Um, so this is actually a uh, it's a six max tournament on ACR. It's a PKO, and it's a it's just a three dollar and thirty cent buy in, which could be a a factor in deciding how we want to play this hand. Um, and I believe at this time we were about thirty five from the money. Okay. As I recall, so we're getting you know we're getting pretty close, but not really bubble time. Right, but 35 left, and uh, do you remember about how many players there are? I want to say there were around, like, like maybe two, maybe like 150, 200, something like that. I think it paid like 150, somewhere okay. around there. Yeah, so 35 away from the money, like if you're playing in the Colossus with a 1,000 tables left, <laughs> yeah. right, 35 goes pretty fast, but you know, at that number, this could take a while, so you're not that close to the money. Right. And we're pretty deep, and our our table in general is pretty deep. So, and, and uh, what our opponent in this hand, in in particular, is pretty deep. So, kind of makes it sort of interesting from a from a do I want to cash this tournament standpoint? <laughs> right, right. Okay, so it's a three dollar and thirty cent tournament with a somewhere between one hundred fifty ish players left. Yeah. And uh, about 35 spots away from the money, six max. Yep. All right, and, let's hear. Uh, and like I said, it is a PKO, but the one thing I should mention is that I don't recall what our bounties were, but I don't think they were very big. Because I, I, you know, I remember debating this hand for a really long time, um, and I, I don't recall being like, oh, well, he has this huge bounty, so I'll do this, or he's just trying to get my bounty because I have a huge bounty. I think we just had like very average bounties at the time, if that makes sense. Got it. Um, so yeah, so we are at 1,500 3K blinds, and we are in the big blind with the king-queen of spades. Uh, there's also a ante, ante is 375. So okay. it folds around to the small blind, who starts this hand with 141 big blinds. We have 106 big blinds. Man, you're not kidding. We've got a lot of chips here. Yeah. All right. Um, okay. So yeah, so it's going to be blind versus blind. He limps, so he puts in the extra fifteen hundred, and I have king queen of clubs. Um, I opt to go ahead and raise it up. I assume you're cool with that, especially this deep. Yeah, I mean this deep. I feel like just for value, you know, he's he's got a lot of chips. He might feel like he doesn't want to let you bully him. It's a three dollar tournament, so he he might call you way too wide. Mm -hmm. So yeah, I would go ahead and bump it up pretty big, maybe like 12,000 like yeah. 4x yeah, I almost kind of wish I had gone a little bit bigger, I mean I don't go super small, but I went nine. well, 99.99 so we'll call it 10k <laughs> Okay. Um, so yeah, yeah no, no problem there, I don't I, see a problem with that either yeah, yeah, seems fine, I mean I think a little bigger might be better, but it's it's kind of splitting hairs yeah, but who knows, I mean maybe a little bigger gets too many folds, maybe your bet is actually perfect you that's know? fair, yeah yeah, it depends on your opponent here yeah, yeah, and he's he kind of seems like a decentish player, um, just from a stats standpoint. He's running twenty-seven, eighteen, five, which are pretty reggae-ish numbers. Um, you know, I would I certainly wouldn't call him a you know 
a fish or you know it doesn't seem like he's, he's not playing half his hands or anything. And this is at a six max table too, so that's that's in fact almost tight for a six max table. Yeah. So when you say twenty seven eighteen, is that in all of his tournaments forever, or is that just in this tournament? That is just in this tournament. Yeah. So in a six max, those are pretty good numbers, uh, pro numbers, I would say. Yeah. Um, so yeah, so we raise it up to ninety nine ninety nine. He calls. So we go to the flop with 22.2K in the middle. Mm-hmm. And we get the flop of seven of clubs, nine of clubs, four of diamonds. So we flop the second nut flush draw and two overs. Okay, um, so it's a nine, seven, four on the flop. So we've got the king, queen of clubs, and there are two clubs on the flop. So we've got a flush draw, we've got two over cards. We have one weird backdoor straight draw, but we probably don't worry about that one too much, right? Yeah. Uh, okay, so, uh, and then he checks to us, I assume? He does check to us, and we go ahead and bet uh, 13.229, so just a little above half pot. Okay, would you make that same bet if you had pocket kings? No, I don't think I would. I think I would make it smaller. Okay, so if you wouldn't, make this play with the big over pair uh, what are your value hands that make this bet if any probably not much <laughs> uh, yeah. like maybe my like like I'm I don't even know if I would do this with like eights like I'm trying to think of smaller pairs that I might do this with I don't even I think I even go smaller on those yeah I wouldn't mind this play with eights um, because you you really want to discourage further action, you're fine with just taking it down or whatever. And, you know, the reason I'm asking these questions obviously is because you know if you're trying if you're uh, aspiring for game theory optimization, then you want to be making the same bet with this bluff that you would with your value. Right. However, we sh- we should keep in mind this player is. Our opponent is in a $3 tournament. <laughs> and so if the nuances of that exploitation, you know, that, it, it, in other words, if the nuances of GTO are kind of lost on him, it, there may be a case for betting bigger when you're bluffing, betting smaller when you're not. Mm-hmm. So I, I'm not saying it's a bad play, but I like to know kind of is this the same bet that we would make with our value? And it sounds like it's not. So we're just counting on the fact that our opponent won't know that. Yeah. Yeah, I think that's a very good point. I, I'm trying to think of what I would... I'm, I'm putting, trying to put myself in the place of having kings and thinking what I what I would bet. And I think it's probably something like 9k, maybe even 8k. Yeah, that sounds right. Like a little more than one-third of the pot, mm-hmm. I think, is kind of the standard value bet. So if you would make this play with uh, you know, your small pairs like pocket eights, maybe pocket sixes, those hands have three to a straight, so it's okay. It's kind of like it's a value, but there's also a bluffing component. It, you you might be able to double barrel a lot of cards when you have something like pocket eights, mm-hmm. right? So you're, you're, you're unlikely to get value from worse if you're betting this much with pocket eights, right? Right. But it is a good bet to make. I think you could make this bet with aces or kings or queens because you can get called by a flush draw. You can get called by a straight draw. You can get called by a pair of nines that isn't going anywhere, right? Yeah. So 
I actually don't mind if you would have said, yes, I would make this bet with Kings. But I just, in my experience, most people nowadays are betting about a third of the pot with their overpairs on boards like this. Yeah. And I think we also, like, I, I think the one argument maybe I could have made for betting bigger here is that, you know, we still just have King High, so we want to fold out maybe some better hands. But the problem is, I don't think he folds any better hands. <laughs> like, he the, probably doesn't limp call Ace-Queen or Ace-King and everything else, like, you know, if he had Ace-9 or Ace-7 or 5-6 or, you know, all these hands, like, those are just going to come along. So... Right, yeah. Now, we still have such a deep stack that you're right. You're not getting him to fold, like, if he has, like, ace-4 offsuit, right, with no club. Mm-hmm. He, he'll probably call even a, a relatively large bet. He's just got bottom pair, but he'll, he'll probably say, you know, I'm not ready to give up on this one yet. He's probably going to call one time, but that's why we need to have a lot of double barrels, especially when you bet this big. Now you've made yourself a big pot that you need to try to win now. Right. Right. <laughs> yeah, and it's kind of another reason why I think I I still lean towards liking a smaller bet better because then we can kind of bomb turn a little heavier, but yeah. not but not have to invest as much as we're now going to have to invest to bomb turn. <laughs> yeah. I mean, from studying all the Andrew Broca's videos on TPE, I see so many instances where you want to bet like about a third of the pot, maybe a little more, maybe a little less even, depending on the exact situation. But generally, a smaller flop bet makes a lot of sense a lot of the time. And then maybe even a pot size bet, or in some cases even a little bigger on the turn, like over betting on the turn, Mm -hmm. just seems like insanely profitable. So if you make a small bet here on the flop, knowing that he's going to call you with any piece, any backdoor, any, 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 right? Because your bet is so small and he's heads up in the blinds then you take away everything on the turn by betting so big he really can't call without a monster and he almost never has one when he checks twice so there is a lot of logic to that line or even a smaller version where you bet like a third on the flop and then say three quarters on the turn even that bet is hard to call with another card to come Right. so yeah I've seen that pattern a lot more uh, in the in the higher stakes tournaments I've been playing on WSOP.com with like the pros that I'm 100% sure are infinitely better at the game than I am. <laughs> right. You see that small bet flop and then big bet turn a lot. So yeah. I mean, you don't want to do a program bet. Like, that's how you always do it. But this does feel like a spot for me where you'd want to bet small for value if you had pocket aces, pocket kings, pocket queens, whatever. Mm-hmm. So semi-bluffing the same amount is unexploitable still that's not enough for me to say it's the right play here because again it depends on how worried are we about this opponent exploiting us in this three dollar tournament yeah, <laughs> i yeah, don't exactly. know <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah um but yeah so you know that's what we ended up being thir- 13 229 and he does call okay so now we're gonna play a big pot yeah we've created a big pot here so let's go um so we go to the turn with 48.7k in the middle and we have something like 300,000 behind, right? Yeah, we're just under 300,000. 295. Okay, cool. So, uh, and the turn is? The turn is the king of spades. So that gives us top pair now. Uh, okay, so let's refresh. We have king, queen of clubs on a board of king, nine, seven, four with two clubs. So uh, that's a beautiful turn card for us, right? We've got top pair with our flush draw now. So life is good. 
Yeah, this is uh, this is the turn card where you go. Oh, I'm so glad I bet big on the flop. <laughs> <laughs> now we got a bigger well, pot to play. <laughs> yeah, I mean, there's one way to look at it. In all likelihood, we have 15 outs on the flop if we're even behind. Right. You know, with all those flush cards plus the the pair outs, that's 15. So we're loving it. So there will be a lot of times when we're going to like the turn card. Of course, we want to club even more than this, but this is a great card to hit. Yeah, agreed. Um, so he checks to us again, okay. and this time we choose to bet thirty. I'll call it thirty thousand. It's actually thirty thousand two twenty nine. <laughs> okay, because <laughs> that's what yeah. I do. Um, All right. So a little bit bigger, but still not huge. I'm. I actually don't mind this being kind of. Sp- a little bit smaller though, just because I don't like. I'm trying to think of what this guy has that he's going to continue with if we if we were to bet like pot size here or something. Like I don't know. Does he keep going with eight nine? Maybe. Yeah, it's pretty hard to fold top pair on the flop in the blinds, uh, even though it's not top pair anymore on the turn. Mm-hmm. It was top pair on the flop, and it's it's just good so much heads up. Yeah, very it, true. You know, that, that pair of nines, you've got to have bluff catchers in your range, right? You can't just check fold every time you don't have the nuts. But, yeah, I mean, maybe a bigger a bigger bet than this one. Now, you're betting 30 into 49, so that's like a little more than 60%. That's right around 60%, yeah. actually. Yeah. Yeah, so, yeah, let's say you're betting 60%. You bet more than that on the flop as a percentage, and now you're betting 60 here on the turn. So, I mean, you're showing tremendous strength, so it is ambitious. Like, if you if you are still bluffing, which we now know you're not, but if you are still bluffing, uh, trying to get this guy to fold a nine, like, generally speaking, I don't try to get people to fold what was top pair on the flop in $3 tournaments right. at all. Like, I just don't do that. <laughs> yeah, like, I think if I had, like, say, ace-queen of clubs here, I'd probably just check back this turn. Yeah, so now you're trying to get value. So you wouldn't make, uh, you wouldn't expect him to fold if you're bluffing. So now we are targeting. He he called a big bet on the flop, so top pair is definitely a big part of his range, right? Yeah. So now that we can beat top pair with a with a top pair on the flop, because now it's second pair and we actually turn top pair ourselves, we can beat that nine, and we don't think he would fold it when we're bluffing. So now that we want him to call, we should make that same bet so yeah i like your turn sizing a lot i'm happy with that good um and he calls okay so now we we really hope this player has like the nine eight type of hand that you're talking about he's just correctly is is calling because he you should have a lot of bluffs Mm -hmm. on the turn you know double barrel bluffs so I don't blame him for calling with a nine. So yeah, I'd agree with that. Um, so yeah, so now we have a pot. Uh, there's 109,000 in the middle, and we see the three of spades on the river, which is probably as close to an inconsequential card as I could think of in this spot. There's um, one hand that got there, right? So again, the board was seven, nine, four, king, tray. So the f- six, five, mm-hmm. right? Okay, got there, but. Like I always say, you can't worry about everything. Yeah, I would right. agree. Although it's it is very much a hand I would limp call in the small blind. <laughs> I must admit. Um, but yeah, I, I think I always like you. I think hesitate to be like, oh, probably has five six. 
<laughs> yeah, I mean, it's just not it's not profitable to play poker worrying about everything all the time. You yeah, know, you have yeah. to get value for your good hands. Now, we end up with a pair of kings and a queen kicker. Heads up in the blinds, that's a much bigger hand than it might feel like. Yes. You know, that's that's yeah. closer to the nuts <laughs> heads up against the small blind. Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, it's not it, it's not a done deal, but I think we have to go for value here when he checks to us again. I absolutely agree. The only thing we're really going to lose is if he has a busted flush draw, which he's just going to fold, but we have two clubs, so the likelihood of him having busted flush draws aren't that great. So I think I think he has a nine here a lot of the time. Sometimes something like a seven or seven eight or six eight, something like that. Or sorry, six seven. Um but I don't think those hands are going to call much of a bet anyway. So I think we're really targeting a nine. Yeah, the value target, if you will, is a nine. I want to correct something I said earlier. Uh, I miss I misstated that your flop bet was bigger than 60%. Um, looking back on it, you bet 13 into 22, which... Uh, oh, okay. Yeah, it's, it's not that much. It's not that... It's not bigger than 60%. I think it's right around... 60%. It feels like you're betting 60% on the flop and the turn. Just doing the math in my head here. I I was thinking there was less in the pot on the flop. So just wanted to correct that real quick. All right, so now we still have a pair of kings. Uh, he checks to us. Yeah, I mean, I, I think it's criminal not to go for value here because he can call you with, with a nine, which, we again, we think is a big part of his range. So yeah. let's try to get that value. Yeah, and so I think if he has a nine here, part of me kind of feels like we almost have to go smaller to get value. I end up going, actually, it looks like about 60% again, which is actually making me wonder if I have my bet button set to 60%, uh, and, and I and I used it on every street. <laughs> yeah, it could be. But, you know, like, in his shoes, I think we just have to pay off. You know, you have to have bluff catchers. I mean, I... I don't know how much he knows about you. Like, I know, and our listeners know, that you're not a triple barrel with nothing kind of guy, generally speaking. Yep. Um, that's not really your playing style. But if he doesn't know that, and if he's generally suspicious, or if he just understands game theory and says it's too exploitable to fold, like, especially if he has a strong nine here, if he has a hand like queen nine or ace nine or whatever. Yeah. Not sure he would limp that, but let's just say for the sake of argument, he somehow gets this river with a strong pair of nines. I mean, if if that's not going to call heads up in the blinds, then he's pretty exploitable. Mm -hmm. Like, you should be triple barreling him every time, right, whether right. you have a king here or not. So... Yeah, so maybe, I mean, maybe, you know, I went 62. Maybe that's really not too bad. 62 into 109... Yeah, it's sixty. It's about sixty percent of the pot. Yeah, and I I like the sizing. I mean, I would expect to at least some of the time get called by a pair of nines. I mean, if if betting half that much gets called twice as often, it's the same mm. math. You make the same money from the play. So point, yeah. betting half that much, you would need to get called more than twice as often. Mm by a pair of nines, and I'm not convinced that you would. I think a lot of players, especially in the smaller stakes tournaments, don't actually pay that much attention to sizing. It's more the fact that you've bet again 
is what he'll consider regardless of the sizing. Yeah, yeah, that's a really good point. Like they're either going to look at this as, well, this guy really has it. He bet three streets, or this guy is just blasting away, and I don't believe him. Or I just feel like I'm good enough here to call with my queen nine or king nine or eight nine or whatever. Yeah, I mean you have to have bluff catchers in your range, or else you're susceptible to the bet 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 <laughs> right <laughs> which we can also call the clayton <laughs> yeah. bet till they fold strategy <laughs> right <laughs> i mean he's come this far and now when you bet 60 percent uh his hand has to be good you know 40 percent of the time to mm-hmm. break even yeah. so i think it is i mean i think it is maybe not against killing bird specifically but yeah, you should have some you should have some missed flushes in your range. You should have some other missed draws in your range, and you should have some bluffs with just the ace of clubs in your range. Yep. So yeah, I'm I'm all for it. All right. So yeah, so we bet like I said, 62, and we're sitting there praying for a call, and then all of a sudden he makes it 265 thousand. <laughs> <laughs> Is that all in for him? It is, um, right? it is not, actually. It leaves him uh-huh. 112K behind. Oh, okay. okay. Interestingly, if yeah. I was to call this bet, I would have about 9,000 chips left. Oh, okay. So it's <laughs> almost enough to put you all in. Yes. And I wonder if that's if that means anything. You know, they, Do these guys say, oh, I'm going to leave him a little bit? But the fact that it's a PKO, this has to be a mistake on his part either way. Like, if he's got a hand to break you with, he needs to put in that other nine thousand now. Right. If you just call and lose the pot, he left your bounty on the table. So, I, I think regardless of what he has, uh, this hand, this play is a mistake. This sizing is a mistake by nine thousand. <laughs> right. Yes. Exactly. Yeah. I don't mind um, check shoving, but you know, don't, don't. You can't leave somebody a few chips in a PKO. You just right, can't. Right. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, so I, it was really weird. I thought, like, at first, my instinct was, because I will admit I have been guilty of one-chipping people a few times, where I bet enough to leave them with one chip in the tournament, um, just because they did something to piss me off at some point. <laughs> um, so at first, I was like, is this guy trying to, like, not really one-chip me, but 9K-chip me when the blinds are 1,500, <laughs> 3K? Or what is going on here? And it might have just been that he hit, like, the 3X button or something. You know, I haven't done the math to see <laughs> if that's how it worked out. Uh, but it was a very odd bet. Um, yeah, it's an odd bet for sure. It doesn't 3X, but it's just weird. Yeah, it's maybe he clicked half the pot or something. I don't know. It's a weird yeah. bet. And I don't it's know what bet. it means. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But, you know, all right, here's the first question I would ask. What do you think is the likelihood that this player has check called, check called, and check raised on the river as a bluff. Yeah, I... I the don't, river, I don't check raised, hap- I, don't, I yeah. don't think it happens very often. I don't think it happens often in the $50 buy-ins we were talking about earlier against that other class of players that you find on ACR. Right. And the number of times I've actually seen it on a small stakes... PKO type of tournament where my opponent starts with over a hundred big blinds, <laughs> and now he's just going to put everything in as a bluff here. Right. I and and it, I try to sometimes think like, 
what would I be doing in his spot? So let's say I flopped a set of nines or sevens or fours, or maybe I had five, six. And I think the challenge for me is that when I think of all those hands, I think I would have played it differently. Like if I had flopped a set, I think I would have check raised the turn. You know, if I had nines or fours or something like that. And if I had five, six, I think I would have led the river to try to get a value from a king. Unless I'm just really confident that, you know, and when I say I, I mean my opponent. Unless he's really confident that I am bluffing here, then, like, I would just bet the river and try to get value from whatever it is that I'm barreling three streets with. Because, like, the only thing that we see less than his play is my play, which is three, <laughs> three you know, firing three barrels as a bluff. Um, especially yeah, if he has that, that numbers on me. We see that more often yeah. than than we see the check raise bluff though. The check raise bluff on the river is something you will seldom see outside of like high rollers and so it's just a, it's so rare. I mean, I mean I don't know the outcome of this hand. Full disclosure for our listeners, I do not know what happened uh, after this check raise whether Derek called or not and if he did did he win or lose the pot? I don't know. Um so with that said, I would be I think this is a really awful spot for you but I think that you need to throw your hand away just because if this is that one in a million check raise bluff on the river see the reason why he can confidently check to you on the on the three on the river if he has a six five right Mm. is you should have a lot of missed draws in your range the board is wet. It's nine seven four with two clubs, and then the king on the turn creates a lot of double barrel opportunities for you when you have something like queen jack of clubs, mm-hmm. right? Those kinds of hands that now have not only a flush draw but also a gut shot. They can barrel pretty confidently with another sixty percent bet on four street, right? It's a good point. And now, yeah. and you just missed everything when when that's what you have. You missed it all. Like, if you have ace-queen of clubs or queen-jack of clubs, you might not feel... Maybe ace-queen you would check down and hope that he also missed a flush, but everything else you, you have to bet again. You yeah, can't that's, really good, that's a really good point. So from his standpoint, he should be checking to you when he made the nuts on the river because that's the only way he can make any money because you're going to have a lot of missed draws in your range. So yeah, that's why I'm I'm happy with his decision to check when he made the nuts. <laughs> yeah, you you have me a little more convinced now. I didn't I didn't like the check raise, but now that now that we've kind of talked it through, I think I, I think you're right. I think I do like it more. Assuming yeah. assuming he has it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And then I mean, of course, if he's going to be perfectly balanced, he can also make this play with uh 6-5 or 5-5 uh, five, five, six, six, maybe 7-6, like when he blocks the nut straight. Right. Right. Then he can he can rep it better and stuff like that. So when he has other hands that aren't that, but he knows that you are so unlikely to have that, and he can represent that, then he can also make this same play as a bluff. But in practice, you just don't see it in right. these three dollar buy in PKO tournaments. You just don't see it. The check raise bluff on the river, it's just it's not in most players' arsenals. Yep, uh, at all. You've shown such strength. Yeah, betting sixty percent every you raise pre and then you bet sixty percent pot every <laughs> opportunity you had. 
So he needs to uh, never bluff yeah. against you here. I mean, right. very, very rarely. So, yeah, I hate it, but I'm throwing away my king-queen. What did you do? Yeah, so this is interesting. So, of course, I always... I can always remember what I was saying in these hands because I was streaming. Yeah. And, and I remember literally saying, this, none of this makes any sense to me. Although it does make more sense to me now that you and I have talked, to it, talked through it, like I said. But in my head then, I was thinking, sets don't do it this way, straights don't do it this way. I'm like, this doesn't make any sense to me. But I do remember specifically saying, if this were like a higher buy-in tournament, I'd probably fold here. Um even though that's probably the opposite of what I should be doing. I should probably be I calling here more. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> and, and, and it wasn't because I thought lower stakes players wouldn't do this. It was that I just decided I didn't care about the $3, and I really wanted to know what this guy had. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I also specifically remember saying, but I'm not being left with 9,000 chips, so I'm just going all in, and he can have my bounty <laughs> if he has a better oh hand than me. Oh, my God. <laughs> Okay. <laughs> and so th- I want to be clear that this is uh, this is the non-strategy part of the uh, <laughs> of the strategy right. segment. Don't do what I just did, guys. That's probably a fold <laughs> in that spot. Um, but sometimes I just need to know. Um, but this is where it gets fun. So I shove. I make it two sixty five. Nine thousand more. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and our opponent folds. <laughs> <laughs> Okay. So All we right. we will now never know <laughs> what he did oh this with, God. but we know yeah. it wasn't five six. <laughs> yeah, I mean, unless it was the worst misclick of all time, <laughs> and he meant to call, but he accidentally folded. <laughs> uh, yeah. Okay. So it looks like, uh, I mean, what could he have that can't call nine thousand more and try to win your bounty? It must be like the nut low. Like, cause ace high has to call. I think so. I think yeah, for I that think price? I think Queen High probably has to call. <laughs> yeah, for that price. Yeah, I mean, it's it's, have... it's 9k to win 632,000 chips. <laughs> like he must have had like eight high or something. Yeah, or a misclick. Yeah. But, but I I I don't know. It, that's why you just go all into that spot and don't do that because you could have, you know, you could disconnect or time out or something, <laughs> lose the pot. Yeah, he should have checked shoved if he wanted to. Yeah. Well, that's very strange, but uh, I'm shocked. I'm yeah. shocked because I don't think I've ever seen, and I've played, you know, especially recently, I've played a lot of very small buy-in tournaments on ACR, and I don't think that I've ever seen uh, a check-raise bluff on the river by anyone, against anyone, not just yeah. in the hands that I've played, the hands that I've observed. I have never seen this. Yeah, I so, kind of I brought the hand like 20% for entertainment value because of the way it ended. But I also did think that it was very interesting because it is not a line you see very often, particularly in low stakes tournaments. Um, yeah. And I, and I thought for sure that I, that I had probably made the wrong play on the river and you know, yeah, I ended up winning the pot and he made a really weird full, but I, you know, <laughs> we always kind of talk about these things and say, you know, and say, well, even though we did win this pot, it doesn't necessarily mean that, our play was good because if if it worked this time, but it only works ten percent of the time, then it's probably a bad play, <laughs> you yeah. know. Um, but yeah, I thought it was uh, I thought it was kind of interesting. That is extremely interesting, and it just makes me want to find that guy and ask him <laughs> what what the heck happened here? Like, yeah. why didn't you check shove? And then how can you fold for nine thousand more unless you had a literal nut low? Yeah, yeah. So uh, quit your bitching if you're out there listening. 
Uh, <laughs> hit, hit us up on Twitter. Let us know what you folded. And the weird thing is, too, if this guy was running like 65-25 or something, A, I don't think the hand would be as interesting. Um, and B, like, it wouldn't surprise me because, you know, he could have just been having a few drinks and kicking back and splashing around and just doesn't care or whatever. But, I mean, the guy's running like solid numbers. I mean, he's running 27-18, like very reggy numbers. So Reggy numbers and a sick username. Yes. Like <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So oh, it's kind of, it's, so that just kind of made it that much more interesting to me, you know. But that is that is <laughs> all right. Well, this is one for the record books. I, <laughs> I have, I'm really at a loss. I have no idea what's going on anymore. <laughs> Don't try that at uh, home, guys. Yeah, do not try that one at home. Well, congrats. Did you end up cashing in this tournament? I hope so. Yeah, we actually ended up making a fairly deep run. I think uh, I think we finished in the, like the top thirty or forty or so. But I remember distinctly thinking it was going to be a good shot at a final table because of our little final table challenge that we have going on. Um, but yeah, then, you but end up ended up going you south up, on us. Yeah, but after this pot, you have like two hundred plus big blinds. Yeah, we were in a really good spot. I, I remember yeah. we took. I remember we took a really kind of sick beat at some point. Not not to like knock us out or anything, but like took a half of our stack or something. Yeah, and then yeah, it was well, just kind of spiraled out of control from there. That's the way it goes sometimes in tournaments. <laughs> so yeah. true. Yeah. <laughs> All right, well, that was a good one. You always bring something, something fun <laughs> for us to discuss. That's amazing. I can't believe he folded. Know, All right, so what else, Derek? Uh, what's coming up with your stream? You know, plug away, plug away. Uh, yeah, so actually, it got it dawned on me. You know, we did the um, we did the tooth and oh, tooth and nail. That's the old company I used to work for. Uh, we did the tournament poker edge ten um, year anniversary sort of tournament and celebration uh, yeah. a year ago. <laughs> Can you believe? No. Year 11 is coming up next month. <laughs> wow. Wow, that's incredible. Yeah, so it'll be, you know, April 16th is sort of the, the anniversary of the company launching. Um, so I'm, I haven't decided on the exact date, but it's going to be sometime that week. Um, I'm going to try to put together another um, private tournament where all the TP members can come out and play and, and hang out and kind of celebrate another year. But I, it's shocking to me that a year has gone by since we did that. Yeah, that is incredible. I remember that like it was yesterday, right at the beginning of the pandemic. We're like, okay, well, we'll just play. We'll celebrate TPE. We'll we'll play a little on ACR, and then oh, two weeks from now, we'll be going to Vegas for the World Series. Yeah. <laughs> That's right. Yeah, I didn't even think about the fact that that was like basically right at the beginning. Well, not so much the beginning for you, but the beginning for a lot of us who yeah. did, did lock down until much after you. But uh, Yeah, yeah, for sure. But yeah, yeah, so you know, I, like I said, I don't have the exact details hammered out because it really just snuck up on me. But um, you know, just watch my Twitter or the TP Twitter or the TP forums, and I'll post all the details up in there. And uh, it'd be fun to have everybody come out and play. Yeah. Now you're you're a killing bird on Twitter, right? Um, I'm actually at Derek Tenbush, but if you oh. just but if you search Killing Bird, it pops right up. So okay, uh, okay, yeah, but the handle is actually at Derek Tenbush. Yep. Correct. All right, cool. Well, either way, you'll find it if you just type that into the uh, the search. There aren't that many Killing Birds out there, so you'll no. find him. <laughs> yeah, my band is there, but you'll you'll be able to tell the difference between the two very easily. <laughs> yeah, pretty quickly. All right. Yeah, look for the guy with all the poker chips and the mean poker face on. That's, <laughs> That's the guy right. you're looking for. Yeah. <laughs> Oh, man. Always a pleasure, sir. Thanks for uh, doing the podcast with me. Yeah, but I had a blast. Yeah, always. So for Derek Tenbush and for everyone else here at Tournament Poker Edge, I'm Clayton Fletcher. Thank you so much for listening. I
like they do in Texas, please. Fold them, let them hit me, raise it, baby, stay with me. Lock in intuition, play the cards with babes to start. And after she's been hooked, I'll play the one that's on her heart. Fun, fun. Oh, whoa, 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 whoa. 